Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this is episode 53. Now, I want to start this episode out with a question Do you bring a beginner's mind to your births? Whether it's your first, whether it's your fifth. Now, what do I even mean by that? Well, I look forward to Amber's stories today specifically for this reason. Even with five births, Amber learned that each baby will be born in his or her very own, very unique way. Now, learning to let go of all of the assumptions of what birth is or is not is a great way to enter labor. Recognizing that this is a new birth, a new baby, a new experience can help us let go of expectations and become intuitive with what we need and want each time. Now, before we get started and dive into this amazing episode, I want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. This year, I am so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for the mothers I've met, the stories I've heard, and the listeners I've connected with. You've all been such a blessing to me, and I pray each day that this podcast will be a blessing to you wherever you are in your journey. I hope this brings you comfort, encouragement, and the understanding that you are so powerful and so incredible. I am honored to be able to play a small part in your birthing or motherhood journey. Now, if you're feeling a little loving, I'd be so grateful for you to take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. This is such a helpful way for the podcast to grow. If you're selected as the reviewer of the week, I'll be sending you a happy home birth podcast sticker. You can also take a quick screenshot of you listening to this episode and upload it to your Instagram stories. Tag Happy Home Birth Podcast, and I'll be sure to share in my stories too. Finally, if you're looking for a great gift for your midwife, a home birth mama friend, or yourself, look no further than the Happy Home Birth t shirt campaign that's going on right now. You can score yours through the website through the Happy Home Birth website, myhappyhomebirth.com, or the link in my Instagram bio. So there are three different styles to choose from and several colors in each. Personally, I love the baseball tee and wear mine probably every week, which I realize is kind of like wearing your own band's t-shirt, but uh, there is no shame in my game. I love that t-shirt and I love this podcast. So win-win. Okay, let's waste no time. I just clapped a little bit. I don't know if you guys heard that. I just had my third cup of coffee, so I'm a little jittery right now. Okay, Amber has so much goodness to share with us. Please remember that the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are medical professionals, so continue to see your doctor, midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Amber, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am really excited because before you had your most recent baby, we were talking about you coming on to talk about your breech birth experience. Uh, But then I got a message from you saying, actually, this birth might have even topped that. So (laughs) I cannot wait to delve into those. But before we do, would you mind introducing yourself to the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. My name's Amber, and I just had baby number five. I, as you can tell, I'm not from America. I'm British. I married an American, 
So I've lived in both countries. I've had babies in both countries. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a doula of 10 years. I've not practiced for a while. And I homeschool. I work with um, our homeschool company we use, which is Classical Conversations. So, oh, um, very nice. <laughs> yeah, Classical Conversations is actually what my um, my sister-in-law is in. And that's what we plan to to put our kids through as well. Yeah, it's wonderful, I have to say. Very cool. Okay, so so you started off having babies um, in the UK, is that correct? No, I no. had my first two in the States, and when I had them, midwifery was essentially illegal in Missouri, which is where we live. Um, so it was either hire an illegal midwife or have hospital births. So I had hospital births with my first two. My mom had my little brother at home when I was eight. Okay. So I had always wanted to have home births because, you know, I just, that was normal to me. It just wasn't, didn't feel like an option. Right. For those first two. Okay. And then, so then, so you had the first two in the hospital. What happened after that? Then we moved to Scotland when they were very young. And I had my third baby, the surprise breach, in Scotland. And we were there for 10 years. And then we moved back when I was heavily pregnant with my three-year-old. I was 32 weeks pregnant. Um, decided it was easier to move pregnant than with a newborn. So. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so we came back while I was pregnant and um, had another home birth because now midwifery is legal in Missouri. So... Mm-hmm very pleasant to be able to have a choice of midwives and um, even get insurance reimbursement potentially and things like that, which is really nice. So, and, you know, just had number five. He's nine days old today. Nine days old. And, and that was in the same, you, you had a home birth with number five yeah. um, in Missouri. Great. Okay. Well, I would love, you're welcome to, to go into any of the stories that you would like. I know we had talked about discussing your uh, breech birth. So if you'd like to regale us with that, I'd love to hear how that <laughs> pregnancy and birth went. Yeah, definitely. I, I would sort of briefly tell you about the others because they've all been really different in their own way, mm-hmm. which... Um, I wasn't really expecting, like by the time you get to number five, you sort of think you got this, <laughs> you know how it's going to go down and you really don't. Right. Um, <laughs> number one, I would say she was like pretty textbook as far as, you know, contractions started and then got longer, stronger, closer together and so on and so forth. Um, but I just wasn't really happy with how things went like I remember wanting desperately to hold her after she was born and they insisted she had to be on the warmer you know and I remember just like laying there saying my baby my baby and nobody caring basically because they were doing their protocol you know and so with number two I was much more purposeful about the provider that I picked And that made a huge difference. And he recommended a different hospital, which also made a difference um, because they were much more supportive of the type of experience I wanted. Mm. And the thing that was different with him is that 
he I was at nine centimeters for about three or four hours and finally I asked my doctor to break my waters which you know he he totally left it in my hands everything was fine so he wasn't pressuring me or rushing me and then he was born I had fetal ejection reflex with him so he was born in one contraction basically unassisted in the hospital because the the doctor and the nurse had walked out of the room and he was born in one contraction while I was had the squat bar above the bed so they kind of ran back in and the OB I remember he just looked over and he was like yeah she looks like she's got this and he just sat down and kind of waited for the nurse to you know put the baby on my chest and things to calm down so that was pretty cool for a hospital birth right that's incredible (laughs) um so even though I never pushed very long he's the only one I had actual fetal ejection reflex with and it's I don't know if you had it with your birth but it's quite an experience so the others I just had that you know urge to push sort of thing but it's just that uncontrollable like like you're vomiting your baby out almost Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so then fast forward to number three, back in Scotland. For any listeners that don't know, midwifery care is the standard in the UK. And there's still a lot of work to be done in the maternity system there. I worked as a doula in both countries over that 10 years. So I saw both sides as a mother and as a doula. Um but the, the really good thing about the UK system is that they have a obligation to provide you care. And so that means if you're quote-unquote high risk, you can still choose a home birth, even if it's against recommendation. Oh, because, really? Because they can't not provide you care because they have a duty of care. So you, you can sit down with your doctor and say, I understand xyz risk but i still want a home birth and they have to send a midwife they can't just say no whereas in this country if you can't find a provider willing to take you your options are unassisted or do it with the provider you don't want in a place you don't want exactly you know so that is one beauty i think of the of the national health service but on the other hand you don't have a choice you're just assigned midwives. Yep. Especially if you're in an area that doesn't have private midwives, where I, I didn't have any in my area. You didn't have any private midwives? No. Mm. Yeah, that's a great that's a great pro con, you know, comparison there. Yeah, so definitely a lot to weigh up, but I was just thrilled to know that I could have my home birth, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. Well, and how did that go? It went really well. Um, I had really bad SPD with my first three babies. So my actual pregnancy was very difficult because I had two young kids, three and four, and very hard for me to get around. I was in a wheelchair at the end, actually. Right. And Um, SPD is symphysis pubic disorder, right? Yeah, dysfunction. Dysfunction. So it's, it's basically extreme pelvic pain. And getting in and out of a car or up and down stairs or anything like that, even turning over in bed, was next to impossible. Mm. Um, So her actual birth 
went really well though. I, I felt a lot of anxiety because there were 20 midwives on call for me. Oh my. And I didn't know when any of them were on call. And there was one in particular that I did not want to be at my birth, mm. which is a bit of a long story, but, um, it was also a, a, a situation where I couldn't ask for her not to be on call. Mm. So, um, you just had to take, take what you got. Yes. So the evening before she was born, one of the midwives called me and introduced herself and said that she um, told me when she was going to be on call. And she was amazing. She was like a kindred spirit. She was like really into, you know, women's autonomy and um, kind of bucking the system Mm -hmm. of the NHS. And she had trained in Africa and done, you know, just tons of kind of outside the box births that went totally fine. And she was really just kind of chill about everything. And I was so happy that she had called to introduce herself because none, no other midwife had done that. Wow. And so I didn't, I only knew a handful of these 20 and she told me he was on call next, like starting in, in an hour from when she phoned me Oof. and it happened to be a midwife that, Um, I really knew and trusted a lot and I started having contractions (laughs) while she was on the phone Um, you know at the time I didn't think much of it but obviously that was the start of labor and I'm convinced that my body was just like hey it's somebody I trust like now now is good go (laughs) right let's go ahead and do this now (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um that was like eight o'clock in the evening And by the time the kids went to bed shortly after, you know, the contractions were starting to pick up a little bit. And I don't know about you, but I often am sort of in denial when I'm in labor. (laughs) Like, I just don't want to call anybody because I'm like, no, it's just going to stop if I call them. And, um, you know, I don't want to waste anybody's time, which is ridiculous because as a doula, I'd rather my time was, you know, wasted then miss a birth or whatever. Right. Oh my gosh. I, um. <laughs> the, yes, the same thing. It's so weird when it's like, of all the people that should know that it's fine, I feel like it's the birth workers that are the ones that are like, oh, I, I don't know if I should call. Because that's, yeah, same, guilty. Yeah. So I was kind of going back and forth and I, I called my best friend. Um, she was a natal hypnotherapy instructor, which is kind of like a hypnobirthing program that's British. Okay. And so she was kind of like my doula. She came over and my contractions were probably seven or eight minutes apart, but I was like obsessed with timing them because <laughs> that would prove to me if I was actually in labor or not. And I went to lay down and I could not lay down through a contraction. That told me this is like really something. And she was like, I really think you need to call the midwives. And I sort of thought, well, I guess, but I kind of thought she was overreacting. A little bit. So I called them at midnight and they came out about 1230. Um, I didn't want any examinations, which the second midwife was the first one to come out. So not the one that I trusted, mm. but somebody I did already know. And she was kind of taken aback. They didn't want exams. <laughs> oh, my. Most people don't decline them, you know. Right. But I just didn't want to be discouraged. But pretty much as soon as she got there contractions went to two and a half minutes apart and 
so the other midwife arrived and I said, I want to get in the pool. They kind of, they didn't discourage me, but you could tell they thought it was too early Mm -hmm. for me to get in the pool because my contractions were only about 45 seconds long. I just knew that, you know, it was time. Right. So it was probably close to two by the time we got the pool filled and I got in it and that probably 25 past two, I started pushing and I felt her crowning or I thought was crowning. So I put my hand down to feel her head come out and it wasn't a head and my brain just could not compute. Because it just felt wrong, like it was soft and there was a ridge, you know, in the middle. And my brain was just like, what is going on? Like, I could not understand because I'd been told she was head down Mm -hmm. the entire pregnancy. So I was like, is that a bum? And I felt like I felt like nobody believed me because nobody did anything in my mind. But they did. I just was like in my little labor land, you know. Right. Um, and then I was like, it is a bum. Those are legs. <laughs> oh, my as, word. as I'm saying this, she's still emerging. So her legs like popped free. I think she must have been complete breach. She had her legs crossed because mm-hmm. they came, the legs came out really quickly. And wow. it was just the oddest sensation because she's still, her head's still in me and her legs are like swimming in the water. Oh, my word. So I can feel her moving and I'm just like my brain's still going, how can she possibly be breech? Like she's head, she's supposed to be head down. (laughs) She is head down. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I've been told. Um, But because this one midwife was there that was very chill, like thank God for that because she was just like, it's fine. Just wait for your next contraction and then her head will come out and everything's fine. And I think if she hadn't been there, a lot of the other midwives would have probably panicked. Yeah. Um, And also, thank God I didn't get that exam, because if she would have been able to tell, they would have tried to pressure me to transfer, I'm sure. Right. And she probably would have been born in an ambulance um, on the side of the road and things, you know, with me on a stretcher. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it's funny because... I, there was things in her labor that were different to the first two. Like I didn't like pressure on my back. I liked pressure on my hips and I always had to lean forward. Mm. And when I researched breech birth afterwards, I found that that's what a lot of women instinctually do is leaning forward. Yeah. And that counter pressure on the hips can help to, you know, open the pelvic diameter more. And so I just thought that was really cool that even though I had no idea she was breached, my body knew what to do to get her out. Oh, doesn't that just show you, though, how intuitive our bodies are and how, you know, if we just leave them alone, they Mm -hmm. typically do so well. Yes, very much so. So um, her birth, I didn't have any pain with her birth at all. which again, I kind of hear is more common with breach. I don't know if it's because, you know, the bum is softer, putting less pressure on the cervix or what the reasoning is, but hers was, um, 
my shortest to that point and easiest. Actually, I suppose it still is my shortest birth. And um, so even after, so even as her head emerged, that was not as uncomfortable as previous births? No. That, well, I mean, with my son, because he had, I had FER with him. Mm-hmm. That was different. But right. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was strange to have to have the crowning sensation twice. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Usually, usually, you know, with a head down baby, you don't get that again because they straighten out their body. Exactly. So that was different, but you know, it was wonderful. The, and I'm curious. So how long do you know how long it was from when her body was born until her head was born? Was it pretty quick? Not that quick. I'd say the contractions were still probably two to three minutes apart, gotcha. which felt like an eternity to to me and the midwives, I think, but for different reasons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so you're in your breech baby is being born in the water. What were your midwives doing? Were they just like close by waiting? Were they touching your baby at all? No, they weren't touching um, this one midwife. She was actually the head of midwifery for our entire area and very, very um, researched in physiological birth. So she knew exactly what to do. And the only thing she did is she had her hand on my back to make sure I wasn't going to lift up out of the water. Right. Um, Because, you know, I I wasn't anyway, but I know some women kind of, while they're pushing the they can move around in different ways. So yeah, I did that with my first. Sure. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> my midwife was like, okay, keep, stay in the water. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh man. Okay. So it was maybe two to three minutes and then the head was born. And what happened after that was your, did your baby, um, was the baby immediately responsive or did it take some work afterwards? It did take some work. Um, she was, she was, alert but she wasn't breathing mm-hmm. and I wasn't at all worried about her but the midwives I think after a minute or two they cut the cord and took her off to give her some breaths um but with hindsight I would have actually just told them to wait right because I think she would have been totally fine I think it just took her a little bit longer to come to because of the way she was born, but yeah, um, and you know, it's kind of two two things against her at that point. In the sense of water birth babies, kind of sometimes take a minute to realize, oh, I've been born. And yeah. same with <laughs> you know, same with breech babies. So so having both of those things, I could see why it might take her a minute to be like, oh, this is what I should do. <laughs> yeah, and they were sort of just following the NHS guidelines, which say that they have better. Um, outcomes if they intervene before two minutes right after birth so but like you know it it was fine I wasn't at all concerned like I said at the time Mm -hmm. just with hindsight would have given her I would have at least had them bring the mask to the pool and just work on my chest (laughs) and that's what I was curious about as well was so did you you were you stayed in the birthing pool as all of this was going on yeah I got out like while they were giving her air, I don't think they even had oxygen. I think they were just doing breaths with the mask. Gotcha. Um, so as I got up, the placenta just came away. So that was nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> messy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, 
yeah, they, you know, by then she was breathing. So they just put her straight on my chest on the couch and we nursed and snuggled. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. What a, what a really incredible, neat story. Um, and that was, that's your three-year-old. Is that right? No, that was my 10 year old. Oh, your 10 year old. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then I had another baby after that. It's a three-year-old. Yes. And how was She's that? when I moved back while I was heavily pregnant. Okay. So what when was I was in, like? it was different. When I was in Scotland, I was trying to find a midwife over here, but because I'd had the surprise breach, I wanted a midwife that would be comfortable with attending a breach birth because I knew I could do it and I didn't want to be forced to transfer right. or have an unassisted birth. Um, if suddenly in labor, the baby was breached. So that really limited my options because although it's not illegal in Missouri, there's a lot of political pressure on the midwives from their, you know, backup doctors and things. Um, So it's not, it's not illegal to attend a breach birth in Missouri? Correct. Okay. There's no, there's not really any restrictions it's just Isn't that, it crazy how that just varies from state to state? Yeah. <laughs> you just never, you know, it's it's so varied. Not that I would be okay with them making it illegal, but I kind of feel like, this, what's the difference if midwives don't feel that they can attend mm-hmm. those births, you know? Right. And it it just really upsets me because I feel like for birthing women, but well, for anybody making decisions about their own care, it should be our choice. Mm-hmm. We should have the the ability to weigh the risks ourselves as long as we find a provider that's comfortable letting us take those risks on. Right. That should be it. It should be between us and not, you know, up to anybody else or any. Right. Yep. The, the mother should be the one driving the bus is the way I right. think of it. Yeah. But unfortunately, even... Even where midwifery is legal now, it's still not entirely Mm -hmm. the case, which makes me sad. But I did find some midwives that kind of said, we would recommend that you transfer, but we wouldn't abandon you. Right. And that's really what I wanted. Like, I I understand their hands are tied, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, So it it was kind of hard establishing a relationship that late into pregnancy, I think. Um, but you know, we worked at it. Like we went out to lunch and things like that to try and get to know each other better. That's nice. And so I picked these two midwives that worked together and perhaps naively, I, I imagined that I would have another pain-free birth <laughs> since I had had that the last time. And it was the opposite. It was extremely painful from the beginning. Oh, man. And I had 24 hours of not productive contractions Mm. and no sleep. And eventually the mild circuit, uh, which I hadn't heard of before until that point. um, Yeah. Would you mind explaining that to the listeners? Yeah. So it's I think it's a doula that um, sort of started this um but she has a website and it just it's just a series of different positions that you can be in for a prescribed amount of time in each position that can help a baby to kind of come up out of the pelvis and then get in a better position 
can go back into the pelvis. Right. So if a malpositioned baby is um, causing labor to not progress, it can be really helpful. So I think when I was a doula, I don't think that this was a thing that had been named because I certainly had never heard of it. Um, but a midwife friend in the UK who was up in the, in the middle of the night, our time, um, told me to try it. So I did. And thank goodness, because from then until she was born was only five hours, maybe. So oh, wow. it's really what we needed. Yep. Yep. It sounds like she was just, or <laughs> was this a girl or boy baby? Girl. Girl. Okay. So yeah, sounds like she was just not in, not in a perfect position. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't really very happy with how her birth went. And this is why I say like, they're all so different, which really surprised me so much more than it should have. But, um, I asked the midwife to check me because I felt like after so long of this painful non-progressing contractions, I just needed to hear that I had made some progress, mm-hmm. which I felt confident I had, but I just needed to hear it. And I was four centimeters, which I was perfectly happy with. But I said, I want to get in the pool now. And she didn't say you can't get in the pool, but she said she basically discouraged me from getting in the pool because she thought it was too early right. in labor. And I didn't have a doula with this birth. And I really regret that because I feel like if I had had a doula, the doula would have said what I would have said to myself, you know, if you still want to get in the pool, you can. Yes. It's okay. <laughs> and I would have said, yes, I want to get in the pool. <laughs> um, but I just heard, you know, the, the quote unquote expert doesn't think I should get in the pool. So I'm not going to. Right. And she ended up being born beside the pool while it had about an inch of water in the bottom. Oh. Because an hour and a half from when she checked me, she was born. Oh, Wow. And I was so angry because I knew how much relief the pool gave me the time before. And as I stood beside the pool, I had this sling I had um, hooked to the ceiling. So I was using it to kind of hang on mm-hmm. beside the pool. And I knew I wasn't going to make it. And I was just so mad oh. that I didn't just push, you know, listen to my instincts and insist on getting in the pool. Right. Um so I kind of felt let down by her birth, but I didn't trust, I didn't have, you know, the, the voice for myself, mm-hmm. but it's really hard when you're in oh, labor. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The things that you <laughs> are able to tell somebody else versus what you can think of while you're in that situation, it's totally different. Yeah. So, you know, medically, so to speak, everything was perfect with her birth you know mm-hmm. um I just felt really kind of disappointed with it right and let down so this time around I was very purposeful about preparing I did hypnobirthing which I've never done before because I never felt the need for it but after such a painful birth last time I wanted to have every tool available mm-hmm. to me so I did that <clears throat> I hired a doula even though I knew there would be two midwives there, which was kind of the reasoning last time with I don't need a doula. Right. Because I've got midwives. Um, 
and just did a lot of kind of working through um, there's various sort of fear worksheets and things that you can find online to go through things that are concerning you about birth and kind of unpack them and so I did everything that I could along those lines and you know made these beautiful birth affirmations and read them to myself every day Mm. and I even had told my midwife that I didn't want her to ask me anything in labor even if she wanted to check the baby's heart rate I'd wanted it to go through my husband or my doula because I said I can tell them no (laughs) yeah I don't I can't tell you no what a great idea yeah I thought uh, that gave me a lot of peace because I knew that it would just give me that space to be able to say what I really wanted to say right um so she was fine with that I think she was a bit surprised maybe she probably doesn't heard that request before but she agreed that that's what she would do so you know I worked really hard for this birth to be what I wanted it to be but it was still nothing at all like I thought but it was more than I could have ever wished for in the end I had a birth photographer this time because I had photos of the first three and my photographer could not come on the only day that ended up being the day my baby was born last time oh no it was her son's first birthday so I didn't have good photos. I just had a few that the kids took and stuff. And I, I really regretted that. So I hired a birth photographer this time. And so fast forward to the end of my pregnancy. My others were all born within a three-day span, gestationally, 40 plus 2 to 40 plus 5. And he eventually came at 41 plus 5. So I felt like I was about three months overdue. <laughs> oh, my word. I cannot even fathom it. I, my After first was four. born at 39 and six. And so when my second wasn't born until 40 and three, I don't know how those last few days were like, like a thousand weeks, but they were. I know, right? <laughs> it really, it's, it's so hard and it seems silly with hindsight because mm-hmm. it's only a matter of days. But it but, messes with you. Yes. And like I said, especially after four babies. Right. You know, you just, again, you think, uh, I've had four babies. I know I know everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you really don't. Yeah. For whatever reason, he needed a bit longer. So at 41 plus three, oh, let, there's something I missed from my um, preparation, actually, that is important to the story. I had had my first three babies in the early hours of the morning. And because of this malpositioning with my fourth baby, she ended up being born at 11 a.m. And I actually really liked that Mm -hmm. because during the day, the other kids were up. They could, you know, spend time with her and us. You know, the in-laws could come over and see the baby. And then we could all kind of tuck into bed that night after having spent some time cooing over the new baby versus kind of like go straight to bed and try and sleep, even though you're still 
on an adrenaline high. <laughs> so I kept kind of manifesting for myself that I was going to go into labor at 4 a.m. after getting some sleep and have the baby around sunrise. And then, you know, the kids would wake up kind of towards the end of labor and come in and see the baby be born. And then we'd have the rest of the day to just snuggle and enjoy the baby. Right. I love that. It's a beautiful vision. Yeah. There was one flaw with my vision, which is I didn't clarify that it needed to be the same day. Uh, oh, no. So that's my um, tidbit. If you're going to manifest something for yourself, be specific. <laughs> so the Monday morning, I was 41 plus 3, and I woke up at close to 4 a.m. with contractions. And I was like, yes, you know, hopefully this is it because, um, you know, this is exactly what I envisioned. Mm-hmm. So I got up and was sort of pacing on the living room and different things. And they were continuing and picking up and there were, you know, I was having some bloody show. So I knew something was happening. Right. And by sort of mid morning, they got to about three minutes apart, but they still weren't incredibly intense but I definitely thought you know it was going to be that day and then everything just stopped mm-hmm. and so I thought maybe I would send the kids away with grandma or somebody and see if things picked back up and I would we had filled the pool because I was so paranoid about not being able to get in it this time can't imagine why <laughs> Um, so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to treat it like a bath because we don't have a bathtub in our house and, um, have a bath, you know, have a long bath this afternoon and binge watch Outlanders or something (laughs) on Netflix. So I did. And that evening contractions had come back and started to get closer together again. Still not like they were more, definitely more intense. I needed counter pressure, but they were pretty far apart. But I called the doula because I thought, you know, if it's like my last few births, it probably will only be a few hours from once I'm definitely in active labor. So she came out, and as soon as she got there, they spaced right out. That's so frustrating. So I went to bed to see, you know, if it's real labor, I won't be able to sleep through the contractions again, and it'll pick up. And I kept having contractions every sort of 15 minutes to half an hour, but they never picked up. So I'd sent her home. And then the next day, it was kind of just like the same thing. And I was so discouraged because these contractions were still 15 minutes to half an hour apart, but getting more intense. Mm -hmm. So that night, I asked my midwife to come over and just check on the baby because I was just starting to worry. Like at this point, it's been 36 hours that I've been having contractions most of the time, but spaced out. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to make sure that there was nothing wrong that was, you know, holding things back and make right. sure that he was handling everything fine. So she checked on him and, you know, he sounded perfect. And she said, I oh, still not, you know, he's still not engaged. He's still pretty high up. So just try and rest tonight and, 
you know, had me take all these different supplements and stuff to help me rest. And then the next day she was going to come back and kind of help me try and get a more established labor pattern right. going. But she wanted me to try and get rest. So I went to bed, you know, after doing all the things <laughs> and pretty quickly realized that I could not be comfortable through these contractions. But even though they were so far apart, it was like I would just get back to sleep and then I would have another one. Oh, that is that would be incredibly frustrating. Yeah. And so eventually, after a few hours of trying my best to rest, I decided to get in the shower because I thought maybe just the warm water would be enough to, even though I wouldn't sleep, to feel like I was kind of resting a bit. Right. So that's what I did. And after about an hour, I decided, you know what, I'm going to have my husband fill up the pool and just get in it because I think if I kind of hang on the edge, I might be able to actually sleep Mm. between the contractions because it'll give me enough relief. I wouldn't exactly say they were painful. They were just extremely uncomfortable if I was laying down. Right. Oh, yep. This, you know, for that, some reason, that position for me was, I could, I can never lie down during contractions. No, me either. So, you know, I just needed to try and rest. And so I had him get up and do that. And then he slept on the couch and I slept hanging over the side of the pool. And the contractions were still at least 15 minutes apart and sometimes longer. Sometimes I would only have two an hour. But they felt so intense, and I just I just didn't think I was in labor because <laughs> they were so far apart. Because I've never, ever seen that as a doula and never known anybody that had labor like that. So in my head, I just could not be in labor. I was like in early labor, kind of stuck in early labor. So at 6 a.m., I couldn't get comfy on the edge of the pool anymore. So I decided I had to be horizontal for a little while. So I got out and came and laid back down in my bed. And the next two contractions that I had in bed were really difficult to lay through. So I text the doula and the midwives and said, look, things are still really far apart, but they're getting really intense. And I don't think I can handle it much more. I need you guys to come over. Um <coughs> So they all replied and said they were on their way shortly, you know, once they sorted out kids and things. And I went back in the living room. I told Aaron I had my husband, sorry, I don't know if I said his name, Aaron, um, that I had let them know that, you know, I, I need them to come and help me mm-hmm. just get these contractions consistent with something, you know, some kind of positioning or whatever. Um, so I got back in the pool and about 7am, so probably half an hour after I got back in the pool, they started coming pretty close together. And he said, are you sure they're going to make it here? And I was like, yeah, don't be ridiculous. Like I'm not even in labor yet. (laughs) They're coming to help me go into labor. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And he's like, have you been timing the contractions? I said, no, no, they've been too far apart. He said, well, I'm going to write, I'm just going to write them down. And he got three written down before 
I started pushing. <gasps> oh <laughs> man. And how and, close were they at that point? I'm curious. Um, you know what? I'm not even sure because I didn't even really look at what he wrote, but they were certainly much closer together than they had been. Right. Um, just in that last half an hour, they probably got to a few minutes apart. Right. The last few before he was born. Um, and, you know, I didn't mention this earlier, but I had actually been checking myself mm-hmm. during this labor. Um, I've I've done natural family planning for decades now, two decades almost. Right. So I'm very familiar with that sort of thing. And I just felt like I knew I was dilating somewhat, but he's, his head was still so high. Mm. It felt like my cervix was still like totally posterior which if you don't know, it has to kind of bring itself forward from that to be able to um, give birth. Right. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why I was still convinced I wasn't having a baby anytime soon. (laughs) Um, But, you know, he had other plans. So about probably 18 minutes past seven was my first pushing contraction and he came right down and he's he didn't fully crown and he was his sack was still intact which is the first time that's happened with any of my babies and my kids all wanted to be there so I had said to my husband go get the kids and so he quickly told our um, google homes to broadcast wake up I figured that I would get them up. That's cool. And then he started to walk out to actually go get them. And then I was like, nope, because another contraction came like within less than 30 seconds. Oh. And so on the next contraction, he was born and completely in call. And I had planned to catch him myself. So I was in this sort of um, one-legged lunge, so Uh to speak one knee down, one leg up. And so I just caught him, brought him up. The sack broke around my hand. So I just pulled it off his head and just looked at my husband like, what the heck just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Because I still didn't think I was in labor. (laughs) I didn't even have a labor. (laughs) So it was just he and I and it was just like magical. I know that's kind of a cliche word, but it oh, really I don't was. care. I, I <laughs> used that one for my last birth too. You can go for magical. Yeah. And I had always kind of like daydreamed about having an accidental unassisted birth with all of my pregnancies. I think it's just for me kind of a, um, this, I don't know, knowledge that birth is so normal and, you know, even having somebody you know and trust there is still some kind of intervention to the process. And um, so it was it was what I would have really liked to have done is not actually call the midwives, but I wasn't quite that far along in my um, knowledge and trust, so to speak. Right. Sure. So it just kind of happened accidentally, but it's what I really wanted. Yeah, and, it, it worked out well. And also like the fact that they were, they, cause they were on their way at that point. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So then getting them for that postpartum phase of like making sure everything's okay and good with you and good with baby 
kind of kind of works out perfectly there. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. So the kids walked in like less than a minute after he was born, all kind of like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what? And my oldest, she's 15. She's like, um, so where's the doula and midwives? <laughs> We're like, they're on the way. <laughs> they're just not here yet. Oh, um, wow. Um, so I didn't get a single picture of labor or anything despite it meaning so much to me right to have a photographer this time but again I would not trade the experience that we had in the end with having photos you know yep oh that intimacy amazing and those two days of labor my husband and I spent a lot of time just kind of chilling you know me resting in the pool and it was kind of like a little baby moon oh Um, (laughs) with the pool and everything (laughs) yeah just I was just resting he was bringing me food and water and you know um just making sure I was comfortable and it was really special actually even though it felt really mentally trying at the time sure yeah I yeah definitely looking at (laughs) hindsight it was really beautiful you know and it was and so the doula got there about 20 minutes after he was born and she walked in and I was still in the pool and he's on my chest and she's like, hi, how's it going? And I just looked down. I'm like, fine. <laughs> and then she does this double take. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, so she didn't know that the baby had been born. yet. Oh, well, I didn't like they were on their way. I didn't feel the need to let anybody know. Right. They were already coming. They were going to um, find out soon enough. <laughs> and it just it just wasn't on my mind. I was just like enthralled with oh. what just happened. So she was really shocked. It was the first time she'd ever missed a birth. Too. Oh. I said, well, you were here for part of labor. At least. <laughs> you checked in. <laughs> and then about half an hour after that, the assistant midwife got there and she did the same thing, but even more so like she came in, I was on the couch by this point, the doula had helped us you know get the placenta in a bowl and move over there and she walked in put her bags down and was like oh you're all very chill and I was like yep <laughs> and yeah well the hard work that done. big double take again <laughs> oh there's a baby <laughs> oh wow that's crazy so and then your midwife arrived after that yeah she well the, the assistant called her so okay she didn't I didn't get to see her face when when she walked in but um, <laughs> yeah a little bit further behind oh wow what an incredible story you have definitely experienced so many different variations of birth I know and you know this is the thing like with this last birth like I said it just I couldn't believe that it could actually be labor you know right. and I just Thank God that I didn't have a hospital birth because if I was planning a hospital birth, I'm sure I would have gone in at some point at least to get some rest, you know, ask for some kind of medicine and get rest. And I'm sure they would have tried to augment labor. Oh, yeah, you're Um, so right. And my midwife and I talked about it, you know, and of course it's theory because we don't know, but our theory is that there was some reason why he needed a break between the contractions, Yep. whether his cord was getting compressed during contractions or something, he needed that space. Yes. To recover. And, 
you know, I, I feel like that happens so much and, and midwives see that so much, like after a, a kind of funky labor pattern, whenever the baby's born, there are times when it's like, oh, okay, that's why that that's happened. Why. <laughs> you know, like, like one, I remember one baby that was born was having these funky, uh, funky contractions. And then also like kept going into this like odd position and, the cord was just wrapped around his body in this very strange way. And so he kind of needed to be high up getting that oxygen before he would, you know, descend or finally. Um, so, so that totally makes sense to me. And then also that, that, you know, all of the different ways that they try to speed labor along, one of them could be that you, you know, your water had been broken and for having a high baby, you know, there's, there are some real concerns about breaking water early. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That really worked out beautifully for you. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because he was extremely active in the um, pregnancy. Mm -hmm. He was still flipping breech to head down daily, almost in the third trimester. He settled down towards the end. But because of that, I really expected him to be wrapped in his cord. Right. And he wasn't at all. It wasn't it wasn't at all wrapped which is the first time that they haven't had at least a little bit of, you know, cord on the neck or whatever. So I was kind of like, you're the one I thought would be like (laughs) totally tangled up. You're not. (laughs) Well, he probably just like figured out how to do it with all that practice. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, maybe when he rotated coming out, maybe he, you know, unhooked the cord if it was (laughs) around him, but it just really, you know, with hindsight, I'm just so glad that I was able to let my body do what it needed to do. Yes. And I, I forgot to mention that when that, when the midwife came over the night before, same thing happened. The contractions totally slowed down Mm. that had been coming before she got there. I mean, they still weren't very close together, but they had been every 15 minutes say, and then they were like every 30 to 40 minutes while she was here. Right. So for whatever reason, my body just needed to be left alone yep. this time. Oh, I, and, yep. I totally get it. You know, again, if it was cord, if his cord was getting compressed or something, maybe she would have been concerned if she had listened in on that. Yep. And it could have totally changed how the outcome of his birth was, but. Man, I just, love your perspective on all of this. I just yeah. think most of the time, God designed our bodies to do this, you know, we right. just have to let them do it unobstructed. <laughs> yes. And, and however, however they see fit, because as you have been a clear example of you, you never know <laughs> what labor is going to be like. It doesn't matter how many babies you have. Everyone is going to be different in some way. Yeah, absolutely. I had a, a friend tell me during this two days of labor that she had just read a birth story where a woman had contractions, you know, 15 minutes to half an hour apart right until the end. Right. And I just sort of scoffed, you know, like, yeah, right. <laughs> because that might have happened as a one-off, but it's no way that that's going to happen. There's no way that's what's happening with me. Right. Except for that. You know? it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That it is. Oh, wow. Well, Amber, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. I'm I'm so grateful that you were willing to to come on the podcast and and give us all of these amazing stories and reminders that, you know, birth is different every time. Yeah, it definitely is and just trusting 
your body to do what it knows how to do is the main thing. Beautiful. That is so perfect. Well, I, I am so appreciative. Thank you so much, Amber. Thank you for having me. Such a cool episode. Am I right? Oh, as we head into the episode roundup, I want to give you my two favorite takeaways from Amber's experiences. All right. Number one, if you've ever think that you've got this birth thing down and know exactly how it's going to go, watch out. Amber's stories show us that each baby has his or her own special story and way of entering the world. Be it time, position, or labor pattern, there is always something new to experience as we bring our babies earthside. So remember, as we discussed in the beginning, to bring a beginner's mind and a sense of humor to each birthing experience. And then the second thing, now I want to mention my very favorite takeaway from Amber's story. Amber discussed how she realized after her first, her fourth, excuse me, birth that her decisions in labor could be very heavily swayed by her perception of what her midwives, the professionals, thought. Because of this, she decided to have her doula and husband work as gatekeepers for her fifth birth. All questions were to go through them so that Amber could respond in the way that she felt most comfortable. Now, although this ended up not even being a necessity since the birth ultimately happened before anyone could arrive, this approach is just mind-blowingly amazing to me. I love it so much. I love the sense of true consent this brings to the birthing situation. If you feel you might be swayed by your care provider's opinions, even when they mean the very best, which of course they typically do, consider using this approach. Let them know beforehand that you'd like to approach your birth this way and give them this episode as a resource. I am sure they'll be grateful for the new idea. Now, finally, I want to give a big shout out to Amber's daughter, Maya, who is a fan of the show, who wrote me the sweetest letter a few weeks ago, and who listens to the podcast while peeling potatoes sometimes. Thank you, Maya. You are such a wonderful, wonderful listener. I'm so grateful to have you. You really are the coolest. All right, friends, that's all I've got for you this week. Happy Thanksgiving, and I look forward to seeing you back here next week.